And we are live for the First Strike Podcast. This is KYT. But before we start the show, got to plug our sponsor, facefacegames.com, the number one place to get your Magic of the Gathering singles. This week, we have a standard sale. So for those people that need to finalize their standard deck before the new set and stuff like that, or just want to get in a bit more standard, it's 10% off all standard singles, 20% off the standard foils. So definitely check that out, especially if you've had your eye on certain foils. 20% is usually higher than our, our usual 15% sale. On tonight's show, we got Elliot, we got John, and we got one of the original founders of the First Strike podcast at the request of many people, especially Eric Chan, my man E. Chan. Welcome back to the show, Robert Lombardi. And I'm calling this, a titling the show, YOLO with Rolo as a uh, <laughs> as a nod to our memories together. Uh, it's it's good to be back. It's been I don't, I don't even know how long. Definitely a long definitely a long time for sure. Um and and I think it, it was interesting how, how the show evolved. Uh, you recommend I think you recommended Vince to me at the time, and we got him in, and then. You were good friends with Derek, and I had been friends with him a, a, a long time ago and reunited with him, and, and he was a great fit with you two just going off on each other. And uh miss those times. Like, Echan misses the show where someone like you would go ham on the fools. I think I think Elliot John and Andy are regarded as a bit too nice. So, uh, yeah, I can we, see that. We we needed you. We needed you to whine and complain, and um, but but first, how's it going, John? And how's it going, Elliot? I don't know if I'm too nice. We just don't have a village idiot anymore. (laughs) Okay, yeah, that was good. Eric's still on the show, isn't he? I I, he's been he's been busy. He's been busy, (laughs) and uh, it's been hard to get him on because uh, of his work schedule. Four to eleven, it's been tough. But like having him take. I mean, he was a controversial personality. Some loyal listeners would love him. Some would hate him. It's like, I can't stand it. I can't stand the show. I can't listen to this anymore because of Ginger. And I guess sometimes we needed someone like you to balance things out. But uh, how's it going, John? Just to get you in here. I'm good. I'm not sure. I, I kind of take offense to being called too nice. But like, you know, if you if you if you play Neo Forum, you know, where you turn one people like all the time, then you got to be nice and build up, build up the uh, rapport and the goodwill. Otherwise, people are just gonna be like really mean to you. you know? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'd rather you be mean, John. I'd rather you be mean than like be the nice guy and then destroy me in two minutes and have that awkward. I thought we were bros, man. <laughs> feeling. I could certainly oh, be a villain. I, have a, I, I do have a mean streak, so I don't know. I, I hope no one ever gets to see that, but who knows? All right. Um, for Rob, like the main question is: is what have you been up to since you have uh, left the show? temporarily i mean you're still you're always be a member of first strike but you you had basically we had met up for i don't even remember we had met up for some gp i stayed over at your place and then later you started to your time for magic started to dwindle with like your second kid and um a new job i believe so yeah maybe let us in on on what's been up with you yeah so i i don't know when it was it must have been like last year, maybe GP Toronto or something like that. I, I've gone to like a couple of GPs here and there uh, over the last 12 months, but um, yeah, I, uh, yeah, now I have two kids. I have a, a kid who's my, my son's turning four in a, in a two or three weeks. And my daughter's going to be uh, two shortly into the new year as well. 
So that is uh, is madness <laughs> for sure. And uh, yeah, I um, I went uh, back to BlackBerry as a as a principal product manager. So we are doing a bunch of cool stuff in the security space, and I'm leading a a bunch of initiatives there. So it, it keeps me very well occupied. And with like all Watsi's like weird and I don't know consistent <laughs> changes <laughs> or constant changes uh, to like the pro circuit and how they're deciding who gets in and and, and uh, how the GP circuit works and, and all these different pro tour players, tour levels or whatever. I was just like, okay, this is just, it's too much. Like I, I don't want to keep up with all this nonsense. I'm just going to focus on work and family. And then when the dust settles on all this uh, turmoil <laughs> in the MTG pro scene, maybe I'll, I'll come back if it looks like, uh, looks like it's for me. Okay. Let's do a quick bit since I, I last stayed over at your place. I had learned that the tech, for little kids was Paw Patrol. Can you update me on what is the current current tech and uh, a fad? Yeah, it's it's, it's straight up Avengers. <laughs> really? Yeah, Avengers for the boys and uh, and Wiggles for the girls. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. Uh, I'm sure my, my Twitter followers know this. I I know almost every Wiggles song off by heart. So that, that's where I'm at now. That that's my life. <laughs> <laughs> what is, is Paw Patrol still going strong? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Brandon's kind of out, outgrown it. He's not. He's not so interested anymore. Like he had a bunch of Paw Patrol stuff, and as the as the year has gone on, he's swapped it all over to Avengers stuff. And Paw Patrol's in the past, man. That's for babies. <laughs> <laughs> um, before before you know, you became a GP champion and stuff like that. Like, what were your your aspirations before that that run and, and now? Like, do you, did you even before the GP win? Did you want to be like a PT champ uh, or something? Like, have a run on the on the Pro Tour circuit? What was your outlook uh, on it like? Yeah, I was never uh, had uh, such delusions of grandeur that I thought I was going to win a, a PT or anything or, or, or a GP <laughs> for that matter. Um, <laughs> I, I I had a, like I had queued for like a, a Pro Tour a year or whatever when I was playing before, and I, I kind of want to just continue at that clip, maybe increase it to two like you know go to a pro tour and not scrub out maybe get invited back for at least <laughs> at least one of them and, and not have to go the uh the hard way through the ptq system every time but um yeah that that gp win definitely uh started a hot streak for at least like, like 12 months or whatever but uh magic is a bitch you need to, to dedicate a lot of time <laughs> to keep up and, and, and you know keep with the meta and keep your skills sharp and i definitely did not have uh the capacity to kind of to maintain it like uh like some of the folks that are still on this cast still still winning ptqs even if they're only 20 people large <laughs> so you never had that like delusion of of being like a staple pro tour player or like or now like an mpl player you just want you know the have your full-time job your 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 family and then on the side on as an extra just to have this competitive outlet for yourself yeah, yeah, exactly. It was the same thing like when I was in a band in high school, like a bunch of my, I, I was friends with a bunch of people that were in bands and they were like, yeah, man, we got a tour and we got to like get recording deals and stuff. And I was like, no, nah, man, I'm just like going to go to university <laughs> and get a good job. <laughs> You're the Debbie like Downer. Person. <laughs> <laughs> they wanted to live their dreams. Uh, but, yep. <laughs> but definitely John, John can relate. John felt really bad scrubbing out of his first, uh, PT. So when you mentioned that you you know you want to be able to to do reasonably well, to be able to go to like one or two, um, at that type of pace. Um, so so it's great to hear that though. Like, um, it's a lot of people like put 
their heart and soul on the run and can't um don't have that i'm sure like john like you and me i think we we both want to still have that dream right no matter how delusional yeah i I mean i i figure it's like hard to really win a pro tour whatnot but you know like even like wyatt darby who won the uh, pro tour dominaria when um during at my first pro tour like i don't think i I wouldn't say he was a nobody but i don't think he was affiliated with any teams and whatnot and you know the fact that a non-pro team affiliated person can win a pro tour like that it's it's kind of inspiring you know so I, i don't I'm pretty realistic with my expectations, but, you know, I think I'm as uh, smart as uh, most people out there. So, you know, maybe I can uh, maybe I can look set my way into like, a top eight or something. I'm still like, that's still my goal. That's still my, uh, that's still, that would still be my dream to just like do well in a big uh, pro tour stage. I think a lot of us, like, like I think John, you and me um, are, and perhaps even Elliot, I can't speak for, for all of us, uh, are more like, for me, me for sure, I'm like all or nothing. I can't relate. Now I'm starting to relate to this this type of expectation more from Rolo because, like, Shaheen is a clear example of someone that, like, strives to be whatever the gold-level pro is, right? Like, he's just happy to to not be rival MPL. He just wants something else that's reachable for his time and, and, and current life situation, and that's what he wants to, to strive for, to be, you know, gold and maybe randomly platinum every other year or something like that so um but but rob you've been playing consistently sort of playing and, and still keeping in touch with magic i guess via mtg arena uh yeah it's like on and off like uh sometimes arena sometimes uh moto it depends kind of like what i'm in the, the mood for like if i want to play constructed I'll, I'll play on moto i, I don't <laughs> really like playing constructed on arena <laughs> but uh if i'm just gonna like draft for funsies uh, then I'll, I'll do that on Arena since it's like it's a lot easier to just kind of get in and out of a queue, uh, and it being kind of like a low, low cost from a time perspective. But like drafting with the bots is kind of, kind of miserable, I guess. But it, it is what it is. <laughs> the benefits outweigh the cons. But I think you just recently tweeted uh, you hit some sort of level. I assume mythic. Yeah, man, I I still got it. I'm like top 100. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Eldraine draft was miserable though. Like I was, I I, I started on the Mythic journey because they had like um, M twenty or whatever uh, on that was ranked, and I was like, oh, like that's stupid that the ranked format is M twenty. But like I know that format, so I'll jam some and see if I can climb the <laughs> the Q wells. I had a, I had a pretty good uh, rating and or I guess win rate in that format previously, and I got up to like I don't know like plat three or plat four or something like that, and then. Uh, I believe it was pulled, or maybe it was just pulled from the main screen, and I didn't notice that it was still there. But I switched over to Eldrain, and it was like it was okay. But I don't know the, the bots seem to make a bunch of weird decisions that uh, I don't know. Maybe the format's normal in real life, and it's not terrible. But it just seemed so so bad on Arena. It's just like every deck is insane. Uh, but this does this just mean anything for you though? Like like you're top hundred. That means you're you're qualified for for whatever the the mythic qualify. I can't imagine you yeah, played well, one of these arena qualifiers. Yeah, whatever I'm qualified for, <laughs> yeah. whatever that means. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hopefully the the tournament or whatever is somewhere over like the Christmas New Year's break, so that I can actually attend it. And uh, <laughs> I don't even know if it's limited or or standard. I, guess I think it's, it's always been standard, standard right? right? I think it's always been standard. Elliot or John, I don't know if Elliot can correct me or if yeah, he knows. It's, it's been standard. Yeah. 
Okay. Do you do you know when is the event, <laughs> Elliot? Uh, it's not for a while because there's still like this month qualifies, and I think next month as well qualifies for the same weekend. Okay. Oh, is it like not every month now? It's like every couple months it, or something. It, yeah, it builds up. No, f- fancy, fantastic. I think, and they've announced this. I I guess it applies uh, immediately to to the next one. I guess where where they've converted it to just a one day event. So that's even better for you, uh, Rolo, because okay. you don't have yeah. to. I can make X. that happen, probably. <laughs> you don't have to like win some amount of rounds and then the next day play a bunch of rounds as well. So um, I think I read it was like if you get ten wins, you're in or something like that. Um, oh, okay, you guys can educate me on standards. <laughs> I have a fighting chance, maybe. Um, so have you been keeping track of the MPL stuff, the Rooney Championship? Is there anything like that you could clearly? I mean, you took a break from it because you're, you you wanted to dust the subtle, but were there something that like you thought were really bad, which people want to hear you rant about, or that you really liked following over the past year? I mean, so for me, for me personally, like the way they've set up the system, where like you can actually make playing Magic a career, it that lifestyle or whatever is not something I'm trying to achieve. So, like, works against my goals in Magic, right? Like, that Shaheen Sarani goals of just being, like, slightly better than mediocre at the at the pro level or whatever. So, because, like, before, they, they kind of spread the wealth out, spread the opportunity out. And, like, I was never trying to reach the top. So, like, yeah, top 100, top 75, top 200 or whatever. Like, that all sounds great, gold level pro. So, even silver level pro or something like that. But now they, they very much pushed everything towards the top over the last two years. And, like, that's cool for the people that, you know, are in that top 1% of 1% or whatever it is, some Bernie, Sand, Bernie uh, quote. But um, <laughs> uh, it, it's, like, it's not, it's not really for me. Like, I'm not going to invest that time. It's, like, a negative EV operation, obviously. And I think it's probably negative EV for, for most people that are, that are trying um, in that regard anyways. But... Uh, that is what sells the media headlines. So I guess they got to do what they got to do. The, I love that that one Bernie uses that at every <laughs> single debate. <laughs> right, yeah. so I, I won't even try to do like a fake Bernie accent. That'll be embarrassing to have on the internet forever. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're right. But uh, we had talked, we had before you and, and uh, Brian uh, were still on the show and with Doug as well. We, we had talked about um, how some ideas that we had or how we wanted uh, the branding to be stronger in the game. Um, yeah, do you have any comments on that? Do you feel that like the MPL and everything has done a good job of creating superstars or, or they have not? I, I don't think so. Like all the people that you were interested in following, you're still following. <laughs> it seems like actually the SCG circuit seems more popular than ever. Like I have name recognition with a lot more SCG people than I, I used to when I was like following the, you know, when I was playing Magic a lot and more uh, in the community, which is kind of weird. Like, maybe you wouldn't expect that with all this push on MPL. But, like, I think the MPL weekly events or whatever they were doing, that seems to be, like, a complete failure, right? Like, are they are they pulling that? I, w- I would assume they're they're probably going to pull that at some point if they, if they haven't already. I'm not sure that anyone's actually paying attention to any of that noise. <laughs> I think I read they were like suspending some weekly something until the spring. And I think it's the MPL weekly matches. Yeah. Like no one even cares to know what they're not doing anymore. <laughs> That's how not interested the community is uh, in that stuff. 
all I know is I watched one MPL weekly broadcast where they tried to cut to a match, which which are pre-recorded by the way, uh, <laughs> but it was ending as they cut to it, so they just said who won and then left. <laughs> oh man, that's that's golden. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. The changes to the GP circuit are also like very unattractive uh, for me as well. Like the price keeps going up, and like the benefits are just like we're, we're, worse and worse. So it's rough. I don't know. Being mediocre at Magic is rough now. You got to be you got to be real good to make it worth your while. Yeah, which hmm, which is interesting because there's so many of you. It's not just you and Shaheen on this island or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, I think Morgan is joining us on this island now too. Like his his run of terror is over. <laughs> um, I think this is like the best time to be aggressively mediocre at Magic. Just because with there's the, so few people with the partial like the percentage points adding up. Like peak, you know, when I like played a lot of Grand Prix cuz I, you know, and I still do, but you could definitely accumulate the 100%. I have in the past. I would have queued via it. And I'm, you know, I'm not not anything special. I'm no Rolo. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> well, that was... <laughs> what, what do you get? What do you get then? You, you get like a player's tour invite somewhere? Yeah. So you get, a, you get a PT invite if you accumulate 100%, which is some combination of X5s and X4s even. It's... Okay. Do you know like roughly how many GPs you need to like attend and and would have gotten some pro points at? Like, is it like a, a dozen or something? I uh, I know that like the way the math shakes up, it's like four eleven fours is an invite, uh, three twelve threes is an invite, and then obviously if you, if you spike one, it's just, and then even have like a like a old req finish, I think requeues you plus gives you like such a huge boost of percentage points that like. It's it's a lot easier to chain as a mediocre player now. All right, fair enough. Yeah, I guess if you're mediocre and attending lots of events, then maybe the system works out. Let, let me just inter interject here. One, it's fractional invites, and two, like you you could say it's like mediocre, but like eleven four or like nine four with um, two buys is still like what sixty six percent win rate. I, I don't think that's uh, mediocre at all. I mean, it's just like you could be mediocre and like spike, a, spike an event into a 12-3 or 11-4 finish, but to be consistent over a few uh, a few events, like you got to be pretty good, I, I would think. Even like if you're at like 60% uh, win rate, like you're not gonna, you don't expect to top eight or even like 11-4 better that often. So, I mean, mediocre is relative, I guess. I mean, 10-5 is like bread and butter. 11-4 is like, you know, you ran okay. I've never 10-5 to GP. Because every time at X five, I just drop. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you now you have an incentive to stay in though, because like you actually do like accrue value just by ten fiving, which is which I think is pretty cool, and it's going to like galvanize the uh, regalvanize the GP circuit, I would say. And keep in mind, ten five is still a sixty six percent win rate, and if your if your lifetime like comp REL win rate is like above sixty percent, I would think it's very good. So I don't know, just some food for thought. Yeah, I mean, not that I know mine offhand or anything, but like sixty-one point eight percent or whatever. At GPS. Yeah. Uh, now I'm curious, but anyways, continue. Um, <laughs> I do want to say, like Elliot, how prestigious you find the Players Tour? Uh, the fact that it's, you know, it's a Players Tour, but then there's the Players Tour Finals, 
Like, what's the level of, of prestige attaching to all of this and the world championship? Uh, for the regionals, I I just round it to exactly the same as the old Pro Tours. Like, maybe it's just like 0.85% is important, or 85% is important, but like, for 99% of people, qualifying for a regional uh, players tour is going to be as hard or as prestigious as qualifying for a pro tour in the old system in my mind i think that the players tour finals are are like technically going to be the same size as the old pro tours but also in a time where there's way more people playing magic presumably definitely on arena i don't know if necessarily that's going to translate to the competitive scene but i can only assume uh so i think that you know like in the grand scheme of things maybe they're like 1.2x an old pro tour but i i think that anyone who was in the position of a grinder four years ago who says i want i want to qualify for the pro tour that's my dream then the regional pro tours are just the just the same so and so worlds worlds is like I, I don't know if anything major has changed in worlds for the past five or six years and in that case it's still like you know the mega nosebleeds like <laughs> you're not going to get there so this is where i want you to enlighten me so on on my <laughs> i love to plug my other show but on my other show on my other show table for two for alex i was talking about released this morning or whatever talking about how i was ecstatic for john to win the open plus i thought it was basically um harder or as hard if not harder than any of the uh local ptqs that i've participated uh here in montreal but about the same size basically um but i'm, I'm not sure we consistently got over 150 players so when he was when he won i was ecstatic running around in my room actually apartment because i was really that happy i was uh I was ecstatic. But then on Twitter this this past few days, you're reading a lot of people queuing for the Players Tour when they talk about how there were 20 people at their tournament or uh, one girl said, like, she sat, I guess, players meeting and it was just one table or something for the tournament. And uh, people were like, oh, you better win. You better qualify for the Players Tour and that, and that type of spot. So, I mean, were these people talking about, like, I guess the WPNQ finals? I, I'm, I'm not sure, like... Um, it's just kind of weird that John took such a hard road to Q and it seemed like a lot of people have these easy paths to, to the PT. So I don't know if you can enlighten me if you've seen any of these tweets and, and these situations. I mean, even recently I played like certainly a PTQ I didn't have to qualify for. It was like, it was a WPNQ final, but with no prelims that had less than 65 players. So it was a, a six round event and the winner got a PT invite. So you you compare that to the PT, PTQs of old, and we joked about it last week with 400-player PTQs that ended Tim Hortons at 2 a.m. Oh, right. But even the, even the big PTQs nowadays, which would be like medium or small then of 200 players, uh, you know, we just, we just don't get those anymore. And part of that is because the old PT, the old PT size was something like between 400 and 500 players, going going back four years, and now now we're in a world where we're going to have three regional pro tours or players tours across the world. Each of them is going to be four or 500 players, so you know definitely more people are queuing. 
are... Is it across the world, or is it just, like, across a lot of the United States? Uh, the regional pro the regional players tours, there's one in Japan, one in uh, Europe, and one in North America. Oh, yeah. but you, you queue, like, in your geographic area, I guess, right? No, no, no. You, so you how, how it works... Yeah, exactly. So you so each quarter or each season has three regional pro, uh, players tours, and when you qualify for a players tour, you have the right to go anywhere. For this season, it's like Nagoya, Brussels, and Phoenix. Next season, it'll be Minneapolis in North America. The, the thereafter is uh, Washington, and all that. But yeah, you can choose to go anywhere. And in fact, I believe some people are just like going to Japan for as a vacation, and uh, also. <laughs> I guess Watsi's not. Uh footing the bill for the flight then no so what i believe what's happened is that like a year ago they reimbursed the whole travel expense it which in in my opinion was them going over over and above and um, it's unreasonable then they changed it so um after the fact you get a, a quote unquote appearance fee of 500 us dollars which may or may not be taxable depending on your tax situation i believe just to provide a floor now, um, it's not explicit yet, but I've, I've seen some uh, emails, uh, screenshots to Scott Larrabee, who organizes this, I believe, and I believe he, uh, he, um, he uh, clarified that there's likely not going to be even like floor, like appearance fee sort of thing, or like a floor prize, which on the surface, kind of, it, it's kind of bad, but then like you have like three, like regionally diverse locations uh for people to go to so hopefully at least like you're not getting like smashed by you know being <laughs> vancouver and going to like nagoya or going to like uh russia or whatever far places it is so you can try to mitigate your uh, economic impact that way so i think i'm okay with it it's kind of uh unfortunate but i'm still waiting for the new i mean in the in the past anyone i think any invite other than a solar invite awarded travel expenses uh and i and depending on the era, I know that it shifted a little bit. There used to be like, they'd either reimburse you or they'd give you a flat amount based on where you are. Uh, but another thing about this current system is some of the ways to qualify require the, the tournament organizer to be offering travel expenses as part of the reward. That's part of the first place prizes. I, I think it's not WPNQs, maybe Car knows for sure, but I think if it's like an an actual factual PTQ that some stores will be running, then they're required to be giving travel costs. Car, do you know? I actually don't know. Okay. What? No. Now that you think, now that I think about it, though, like I've seen some like top eight like prize uh, ha- uh, sheets for these uh, PTQs, and I've seen some that has like a cash prize. Like they would, they're not, they didn't. I don't think they called it uh, specifically like a travel stipend and whatnot, but like. Additional cash, I, I think that's intended to help the uh, winner. Okay, fair enough. I'll have to ask Derek if he got any cash prize for his 20-person PTQ to help him out. I know John John is uh, – I don't know if you've discussed with us yet, but I know, John, you have access to, like, a travel travel stipend, I believe. Um, I do? I will either edit this out or talk with <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm pretty uh, sure. I'm pretty sure we're uh I think we're... in the past it was some I know I know when Bosu won, for example, first place was like a thousand dollars in face to face games dot com store credit, which you can use on a sale, or you could have instead taken money. Right, right. Um yeah, I'm I'm gonna talk to my people just to get the uh details. I I'm not you know 
I'm obviously this sounds more... contractually binding to me. I don't know what you. No, I mean, do. I mean, <laughs> I I just talk a lot. I mean, <laughs> we'll see. Um, I will discuss with uh, my team just to figure it out. Obviously, um, uh, but uh, I just wanted to quickly comment on uh, like Alex. Alex wants to has made preparations to to go to Nagoya, uh, Rob, because he thinks that. Uh, not only for vacation, like John mentioned, but he thinks like the the he'll be penalized less in terms of taxes on on potential winnings, and uh, he also thinks that there'll be infinite more people at Phoenix because uh, just infinite people are qualifying, and that yep. it might actually be overall, even though it, the flight's more expensive, overall plus EV money wise for him to go to Nagoya. And, and I see you, you you're nodding your head. You think that that might likely be the case? Yeah. It- <laughs> It's one of those things where, like, if only a handful of people have that idea, he's almost assuredly correct. Oh, right. But, like, if everyone that plays at his level has that idea, then it's almost assuredly wrong. <laughs> I doubt it, so, though. Uh, I doubt it. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. It, it, it probably is, a for him, at his skill level, it probably is a, a plus EV decision to, to not go to the uh, U.S. Uh, event. I am curious how, how Ginger qualified and how big his tournament or if it was a WPNQ or Q finals. Do any of you know? I know it was I, 20 people. I assume it was a WPNQ final. Okay. 20 people. Uh, John, how does that make you feel? You have to battle out 150 plus players and then you had to face a devoted Druid master in the finals and in the top eight, you were it was littered with bad matchups with you. How do you feel that people are just queuing the same way in a 20 player tournament? I mean, like it's it's easy to com- it's it's easy to complain, right? Like I, I've seen like sixty people PTQs and twenty people PTQs and like yeah, like like a thirty-two player PTQ locally that didn't even fill, so it was like twenty-four people or something like that. It, it, granted, it had like a prelim uh, system, but I think it was pretty uh, uh, pretty uh, soft. But honestly, I think it's also about perspectives. Like people people in like South America, for example, like remote Asia or whatnot, they don't have the opportunity to even compete. So. You know, it's easy to get mad, but uh, I'm I'm glad I had like I'm glad I had a chance to like walk work through a pretty murderous row of uh, player local players here and just like win. I, I would do, prefer easier. I would prefer easier though. I'm not going to lie. I do <laughs> want to ask you, John. How many noble hierarchs did Paul cast against you in the finals? Do you remember three or four? Three or four and uh, there were, uh, in game three, he had uh, two noble hierarchs and a uh, uh, giver of runes, and uh, I had a blast zone. Okay, so we we finally learned how John cracked the matchup. It's because noble hierarchs unplayable in that deck. I read Paul's article and I was brain boggled that he included it. And he even mentioned that Chalice of the Void was no good because of all your one drops. But just get him out of there. <laughs> Double Hierarch does nothing. I, I don't know, man. I'm 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 not a I'm not a Drift master. I'm I don't feel uh, adequate enough to answer. Uh, <laughs> you could be right. I don't know. Paul Paul's quite do, quite quite a good Drift player. He's very dedicated. Shout out to him. So I generally he he under, he, he we talk theory a lot, and he he talks clearly about, not good enough. Woo! Woo! <laughs> Adam, dude, Just Adam. Um, I mean, I. I I expect I expect if he continues to uh, play and with his reputation, we'll we'll get him on the show. I, I just want to hear him battle Elliot. That would be awesome. Um, but uh, back back to so Elliot, you you think like even though like these stories of like 
you know, small tournaments that people should view it basically either as prestigious or 80, 80, 88% as, as important. I mean, I think a lot of these small tournaments as well are like the WPNQ finals where there's maybe some sort of qualification involved. I mean, I like, I played in the, for example, the face-to-face games, Montreal WPNQ final that ended up being like 30 players because of two no-shows. Mm-hmm, right. But, which is, again, small when you consider the, the old PTQs, but you also have to consider that I won four matches to qualify for it, so... All you of a sudden, won a daily? Yeah. But, but it's, like, effectively <laughs> increasing the size of the tournament immensely. I know, I'm it's not, like an I'm, RPTQ mini or whatever, right? Exactly. So, you know, yeah, the tournament was 30 players, and I sucked because I didn't win. But also, the tournament was basically 200 players, and I'm totally okay with top 32-ing that. Fair enough. So you're, you're, you're viewing it as a 200-person PTQ, and you got to start with four buys. No, no, no. I previously won the four matches. That's what I mean. But like, if there's 200 people, the people you beat like, all had their losses. So it's like you started with four buys at a 200-person event. Yeah, I'm just gold plus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Easy games. <laughs> I was gold and I won a GPT, and that's where we are now. Well, if it only stacked like that. Uh, I did check, speaking of GPs, I did check my, my rating, or my win rate at GPs. It is 64.5%, so booyah. <laughs> and since I'm not planning on playing any GPs in the future, it'll likely stay that way for a while. <laughs> I mean, that's... Um... Is that quite impressive, John? Is that in a, in a good tier? 64.5%? I think, I, I, I think it's quite good. I think it's like it's not, it's like borderline borderlining on elite depending on the sample size, size, I think, but it's definitely quite good. I like that. I like that. It's like I mean, uh, with a win rate that high, you'd expect he'd have won one at some point. <laughs> does any does anyone know if he won a GP? <laughs> Actually, my my uh, my win rate was higher before I won one. I think it was like 66% or something like that. And I was, me and Vince had this conversation. I'm like, I feel like I'm going to top eight one soon. Like I keep 11 boring. It's only a matter of time before things break my way. Right. Right. And then like a month later I won Toronto. I was like, well, I guess you just get all your luck in one show. I'll take it. Um, hear, hearing all this Rob, about all the, the players tour. So like you'd be happy to like every year play one or two players tour um yeah i mean with the i guess like without the travel being covered like i'm less incentivized to like go sit in a convention center for three days or whatever (laughs) but um (laughs) yeah i mean it would still be it would it would be nice i guess to queue here and there although like like leaving um my wife with the the two kids for the weekend uh plus or whatever and then doing testing beforehand uh a couple times a year is like eh, you know it might be dicey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it sounds like kind of dicey. <laughs> yeah, I could pick and choose my battles. So if it's if it's not really like a like there's a real compelling reason to go, like oh hey, I, I want a trip to Hawaii and the flight is paid for or something like that, like that, you know, I'm obviously going to do that. But if it's just like oh yeah, I could go to Albuquerque for four days, <laughs> that one's going to be a hard sell. <laughs> um, but I do wonder, Elliot, how hard is it to to make the players tour versus i guess it's a lot easier to make the players tour than the uh than the arena championship because i always saw like the arena championship rob if you made it 
they have like it's like 100k up top for the first player usd and then the and then last place you at least get a minimum couple thousand dollars like i forget is it 5k or something like that so that seems like such a sweet tournament to qualify for if you ever get in i mean unless you have a large twitch following i think it's much harder than to to qualify for that (laughs) than a paper tournament a paper player's tour is it uh like so this is the one where i need to go 10-0 or something like that or 10 10 2 uh yeah Uh, i believe it's 10-1 now 10-1 okay that's that's a very that's a high win rate, now. Rob. I'm not sure. Uh, is it so within? <laughs> Just don't get unlucky. I don't know. It seems easy. <laughs> uh, although I guess it is standard, so maybe it'll be a little bit harder. I I did play a couple games with Jeskai Fires. That deck was okay. <laughs> Just sampling it. All right. Um, while we have you on, oh, I just want to give a shout out to, uh, I didn't know this. A uh, friend of the show, friend of mine, or, or who I think I started hanging out with her because she listened to the A-Team. I'm not really sure. Um, but um, I stayed with her at my, was it my first or second PT? At Pro Tour, my first one. Is Jessica, Washington, I think, or something yeah, like yeah, that? Yeah, Washington, where we played, in fact, Jessica Buchanan. Um, sweet that, uh, man, she said, like, she tweeted... Uh, that she had one more thing to add to the, her list of accomplishments to close out the uh, 2010s, a decade that she donated a kidney. So that's, uh, I was like, wow, had to huge reaction. I'm like, Rob, what the, what the hell? Um, that's like amazing. And to see uh, the reaction and to, I, to see uh, her mom, I think be super happy for her in, in the comments was just like super sweet and just super uh, sweet to read. And, and um yeah, I felt I felt really good. But uh, the other thing is, uh, she's in the hospital now, and, and she decided to say like hospital life is boring. So he, she felt like doing an MA. And I think someone asked her how she felt about uh, discretional invites. I think it was oh, of course, D Rude. Do you feel like competitive magic has more or less of a place for you compared to say two years ago? And uh, what I liked was. Uh, she said, as a paper grinder on hiatus, I feel a bit displaced. But uh, the key thing I wanted to read, side effect of some of the discretionary invites is I did feel a lot of unwelcome questions about whether I would try to get invites by becoming a streamer. It made me feel like Watsi was placing my value as a female player and being an object on stream or for content since a good amount of women who get invites are streamers. Not discounting their accomplishment, but it's hard to get that. And then... Other friend of the show, Daniel Fournier says, "Glad to see someone else with this take." And so, so Rob, what what, what have you felt? Um, do you have a rant on, on discretionary invites? Yeah, I mean, so I, I understand uh, what they're trying to do, right? Like they want to improve diversity uh, in Magic, which is a noble goal, right? Great, I I'm definitely support that. But like the game itself is. Uh, is merit-based on accomplishment, right? I mean, it's, the, the structure that they've set up for the last 20 years or whatever is, is based on, like, you queue for something, then you go to an event. If you do well at that event, you know, you get paid off and you queue for the next one, and that that's, like, this feeder system they have. So it is weird that they are having discretionary invites into that flow. I mean, I, I saw, uh, I forget who it was. Someone had the, the suggestion, so I'm not going to claim it's my own, um, where, like, just start like a 
like a non-competitive tour that's kind of like you know invitational type like magic used to do that invitational thing right where they had like wacky formats and it was a little more casual people had like a lot more fun and you you know for winning you got your likeness on a card or whatever like that kind of stuff like do that because look the people that are like i don't know if this opinion is correct but (laughs) my assumption is that people who are like really into like non-competitive streamers would also be into like a more casual play style right because they're obviously not watching that streamer to get like the hottest new tech on on what's going on in the meta or whatever it's more like that streamers enter entertaining like i didn't watch kenji because he was a draft master he was just like so good at at captivating you and, and keeping you wanting to watch his stream like he is a good magic player but he's like you know not lsv or whatever like i tune in to, to see lsv or ben stark because i want to to learn something new about the game i want to improve my skill at playing i don't tune into like a casual streamer or like an entertaining streamer i guess is probably a better term for it to like get better at the game i do it because i want to get entertained so I, I feel like it would just be a they would do themselves a favor by just having a circuit that caters to that market and is more of a spectacle um, and focuses on trying to entertain the viewer, right? Where like they have the competitive circuit where you want to showcase the talent and the skill and the strategy. So like, I don't know, those two things seem to compete and they're at odds with each other. And I don't really think a lot of people sit on both sides of that fence. Like it's, there's a pretty thick line (laughs) through the magic community. you know, on, on what people want. So mixing them, I don't know if it's doing them any favors. It definitely creates a lot of noise in Twitter. That that's for damn sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it. I don't know if it was YC themselves or, or third parties like Fandom Legends or stuff like that. They they had tried to do like these streamer showdowns. Um, and and I don't know how successful or happy people hosting those were. Uh, with just focusing on, on the streamers, and uh, but I, I do feel. Like I, I could totally see how people can can just badger uh, Jess with all these questions, especially since, as far as I know, at least the first run, I didn't really look at the second run of invitees. A lot of the female uh, players that were invited were like streamers or had some sort of content um, part of their. Um, they were just like doing content in some some way, and it's hard not to like be like. It's it's easy to understand why people would go up to Jess and be like, "Hey, maybe you should stream. This is, might be your best path to get to uh, the the arena invitational now." So, um, but uh, I, I like to hear that that you've seen these different ideas. I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, we we try on the show. Of course, we try to be really careful <laughs> about this topic and and other topics related to this. Um, but let's let's move on to something else that that we could definitely rant about. I don't know. I'll let John start first, which is uh, the recent announcement that that bans can basically happen at any time. Uh, so much so that uh, Alex made a joke out in the future. Maybe there's going to be a ban mid tournament or something where someone have to remove some of your cards from play. But uh, John, any reaction to this? Good, good or bad uh, with this announcement? All right, so for those who don't know, uh, Pioneer as a new format came in uh, into effect like two months ago, and they stressed that uh, they are going to uh, keep a very uh, keen eye on the ban list. Um, this was really an opposite uh, approach to how they did uh, Extended Modern, where they had a bunch of uh, things banned already, and then uh, whereas Pioneer, they only banned the fetch lands and they try to like trim from the top. 
which I think is very good. Um, a lot of people, I think, have had a lot of fun uh, just experimenting, finding the next broken crap that they can do, they can, like, uh, win a PTQ with, and then they'll ban that and vice versa and, until the format finds an equilibrium. So the announcement was that, uh, like, contrary to this originally promised week-by-week week, uh, ban, wait, I, I'm not sure... I, I'm not sure. I, I think I think the the ban effect is actually for all formats. But yeah, anyways. yeah, it's for all formats. I think. Right. Okay. So, so in that case, like the context is like generally speaking, the bans and restriction announcements happen at a predetermined schedule, and that that happened like every month, one month or two months or something like that. Mm-hmm. So they changed they changed that to uh, so so now they reserve the right to ban at any time if they deem fit, and. I was surprised by the reactions on Twitter. Everyone's like, oh, how can you have uh, blah, 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 consumer confidence, blah, blah, blah. How can we ever <laughs> buy into a deck? You know, how can we trust you that you're going to do this in good faith and all that? But if I can remind you, like, the last year has been plagued by dead formats caused by, like, clearly egregious uh, bands. And, uh, sorry, egregious cards like Hogak or uh, Field of the Dead or uh, Golos or whatnot, you know? And... Like there were, there was a lot of people crying, like just like <laughs> complaining about how like please ban this, otherwise like Grand Prix X Y Z is going to be ruined because it's going to be a dead format and whatnot. And the regularly scheduled uh, ban, ban ban announcement was preventing them from doing that. And now they get to fix this. Like a prime example is Grand Prix Vegas, which I almost top baited. Uh, uh, <laughs> I lost, I, I lost a few future matches, and I'm still re- having regrets. But anyways. <laughs> That was where Hogak reigned supreme. Okay. Everyone knew clearly that Hogak was going to get banned. Like, no one had any doubt. And people were actually saying that, hey, Watsi, save this Grand Prix. Please ban, emergency, emergency ban Hogak and we'll be good. And similar things happened with Golos and Field of the Dead. And, like, like there, there was a lot of bans this year and a lot of egregious, like, play, play design mistakes. And for them to, like, reserve the right to, like, ban ban immediately at any time for the health of the competition the health of these events i think it's very good now i understand that people are are afraid to really buy into um buy into decks now because you know they could ban my deck anytime but i, I still have um a lot of faith that watsi like, i think there's a lot of good things that watsi has done they're very communicative now uh, compared to before they are um relatively transparent on their thought process like ian duke i think does a very good job explaining their thought process on uh their bnr decisions and like um you know quote unquote watch lists and i have faith that they will act in good faith and they'll only use exercise the right to uh ban or restrict the card um if absolutely needed like like hogak or like field of ruins so i understand where the concerns are coming from but i think that the change is actually a good a very good uh, change and we just got to have a little faith in Watsi, uh, which admittedly uh, some people might have a hard time doing, but I think it's good in uh, the bigger picture. Okay. Um, I, th- I think I read that it's not like any time. It-, it will be on a Monday at least, but it's any week. Um, Ellie, do you have any opinions to add on? Uh, I-, I agree that with John that I think it's weird that this is getting a lot of criticism uh watsi has banned a lot of cards in the past six months obviously it's undeniable but at the same time uh despite all those bannings they've shown a lot of restraint in them in my opinion uh the first banning 
you know, a lot of people clamored for Hogak to get banned, and instead they tried to neuter it with Altar of Dementia. Uh, then obviously Hogak needed to go, but they also gave us a little treat with a, <laughs> a Stoneforge Mystic. Uh, and then, you know, people were adamant that Field of the Dead needed to get banned, and it did. And then later, all of a sudden, it was Oko has to go and Nissa has to go because once Oko gets banned, Nissa decks will run rampant. And Watsi just did Oko as well as some other green cards, but not Nissa. So I think that at the end of the day, uh, it's going to be very obvious when a card gets banned it, or is going to get banned, rather. Um, Will it suck some percentage of the time where there's a Grand Prix and three days before you're packing your bag, a card gets banned potentially in your deck? Absolutely. But <laughs> is that really that different than the world we've lived in? Already there have been in the system plenty of Grand Prix the week after ban lists. Already we're, we've, we've experienced people getting cards banned a week before and having some short amount of time before a tournament to get ready. Uh, and I... I would much prefer that we're in this situation where if a card is clearly too good, they can do it at any time they want rather than being handcuffed. Uh, you know, obviously in a world of proposing hypotheticals, I can say anything that makes me look like a genius, but <laughs> what if what if there's a pro tour where eight out of eight decks are 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 the same? What if there's even just a Grand Prix in the middle of the season where you know, maybe it took some time for the format to figure itself out, but it's broken, broken wide open. I would rather them be able to, um, you know, make the, the decision to ban a card when it's going to impact the format the most and and be the best for the health of the format rather than saying, all right, well, the format's three months long. We're, we're six weeks into it. There's nothing we can do for another two months. I, I just want the healthy standard format or whatever it is. I'll take it. Rolo. I have a bunch of comments. On this, <laughs> oh, yes. <actually>. Yes. <laughs> so the first is like they already have the capability to emergency ban, right? Like they've used it before. This is just them telling you that they'll never have a scheduled ban anymore. It's always an emergency ban, essentially. The, the only thing I don't like about um their change is that they say they reserve the right to uh have like um variable time between announcement and uh putting the ban into effect um which is kind of weird like you that means like every monday if there's a gp that following uh saturday or whatever you don't know if the ban will be for that weekend or it could be from for a month from now or something like that so i think like if they just said, like, for sure, we'll announce it on the Monday, but it will never take effect until the next Monday, like, if that was their policy, I think people would feel better about it. Because then, like, when you get to that week, you're, like, set up to go to an event. You know, no matter what happens on that Monday, if they haven't announced anything yet, it's not going to affect your next weekend's tournament, right? Like, nothing changes for that. It may affect the weekend after, but at least, like, whatever you've tested for that previous week... Um, is good because you know that you have a week grace period before it comes into effect. So the fact that they like still have the, the ability to ban something on Monday and have it be in effect immediately is uh, disagreeable to me, um, I think, and probably most people just because, yeah, it's, it is annoying to put together a deck um, for an event that week and, and test for it, especially in paper, like for arena, whatever. 
you can just you can just craft cards. That's not a big deal. So, um, in general, also like people whining about about <laughs> the bannings. I don't. I really don't understand it. Like people whine that the card needs bans. Like the card needs to be banned, and then they whine that cards get banned. <laughs> it's just like, what do you want? I, I don't know. I, I feel like um, people would be happier if when cards get banned, you can still play with them, but like people get to have uh, like four cards that are automatically added to their sideboard that are like zero to cast that just say like counter target banned card, draw a card. Like they would be happier with that solution. And it's like a way worse solution for them than if their card was was actually banned. And uh, that that seems that seems weird to me. Also, Pioneer is a disaster. Every deck I've tried to play in that format has had cards banned from it. So I'm I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Field of the Dead banned. Once upon a time, banned. Yeah, Smuggles yeah. Copper, banned. And Nexus of Fate, banned. Oko banned. That's it. All my decks are, are gone. I have nothing. So Derek, you owe me 200 ticks, and now I need them. <laughs> I think I think that was a clever experiment from Watsi though. Like th they definitely got the modern modern uh, inception of modern wrong when they had to like reban a few things, right? And unban a few things. Whereas like the hive mind and the information age that we live in, the information flow on uh, social media, like makes it very easy for dedicated players to break things. So like for like they were very transparent about it, right? And for Watsi and play design to entrust the testing onto the spikes. I think it was a very cool experience. We like we were, we knew what to expect. I think right, like it, they were transparent. They were like gonna be very heavy-handed with bands and all that. And I actually enjoyed the process of them, you know, going from the bottom and moving up rather than top to bottom in terms of you know like should we shave down the band list and readjust or should we let the band list like work itself out kind of thing. So like, I I I understand this was like an unprecedented move by them, and I actually think that it was a pretty cool thought experiment that bore like that really bore fruit and like it did what it what, what we wanted it to do or what they wanted to do i agree they, they did nothing wrong with pioneer bandless i'm just saying that like it personally affected the value of my online collection a lot <laughs> 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 every decision i made was poor like if you wanted to know what card was going to get banned you should just ask me what i was playing week to week i guess <laughs> I think that was kind of the point. Uh, when when the format first got announced, a lot of the the advice for people as they were exploring was, if you're not playing a deck that's going to get banned, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, and actually, obviously I, that's not that's not good financial advice. But well, I probably should have just sold my my decks like every Sunday and then waited for Monday or whatever. That probably would have been a better decision. Uh, unfortunately, I'm thinking of it now and not like two months ago. But is what it is. <laughs> Lesson learned. <laughs> I don't know how, how if how this affected Alex, but he had mentioned to me like for PT Oko, basically he came to the conclusion that Oko he had to play Oko even though everyone knew that it should have been banned, and he had to pay over four hundred or four hundred fifty dollars for the playset only to have it banned like the next Monday. And Oko was over a hundred dollars in paper, or it was I guess I think at one point. Um, Jesus. <laughs> All right. I mean, he is saucy, so that's that's fair, I guess. But that's still crazy. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I kind of like uh, John with this whole uh, pioneer and sort of like outsourcing the testing to to the modal grinders. Kind of interesting. Um, it's too bad, I guess. Like, I can't foresee that being possible for new cards, just like they they do for um, for games. Like, uh, 
whether it be uh, TFT or I think I've played like Diablo three where they just like test on this like separate server new changes that they beta, do. right yeah and that yeah. and then they would release it they'd give this period so that players could offer feedback so really using the power of the number of players that are, are dedicated to the game to test out the new ideas and uh, they make adjustments and and um, it's it's I, I guess they couldn't really do it with new cards but it's cool to that they could do it for pioneer absolutely and like that that parallel about beta t- uh, open beta and beta testing and like t- fixing like the product with trial through trial and error before the actual release is kind of interesting I'm not sure what the analog would be in magic to be honest like you can't errata things afterwards or nerf things because it's a paper uh, it's a paper um game which makes it awkward you could have like a consultant of like professional players like weigh in on these like their thoughts on the cards but you know that might be costly or even pros miss certain things i think so it's not perfect i don't know like someone said that like the play design team has been very overtaxed between like the regular schedule as well as like you know modern uh, modern horizons ultimate masters etc and you know this was an extraordinary um, opportunity to leverage the the uh, public at large, which is fine. But I'm not sure how you can leverage this idea for you know the, your typical quarterly like set sense. Like open beta, just like I don't think there's an analog to that, unfortunately. Yeah, I, it's just this is cool. It's just cool that the digital games can do that. They could just release a set ahead of time and like. Uh, before any important ranked tournaments, like keep rank disabled or something like that, and, and have players test and then be like, "Oh, this card's too broken. We'll fix that and then release it." Um, but we'll, we'll wrap up the show with with this. Uh, John, can you give us an update with the huge uh, banning pioneer banning announcement of uh, both Oko and uh, was it Oko Nexus of Fate? Um, any updates? Right. Are you just focused on pioneer? Or do you have any modern? updates as well to, to give us on, on what people are playing right now in in the mtgo streets i haven't said that in a while sure you know like you know you know the cabal and the dojo is always working overtime so we never take days off even during christmas <laughs> um modern i i think there's like quietly been a like so I, i've talked about this on twitter and modern has historically been a format where quote unquote you can do your uh, do your own thing, play your own thing, like, like leverage your experience and the information is uh, asymmetry and any meme that can win. But I believe the terms of the engage terms of engagement for modern has changed drastically in 2019. The uh, power creep from more of a spark on has dictated that the cards, the power level of cards, are no longer flat. There are disprop- there are a select few cards that are clearly way better than. Uh, what most of the cards are. We're talking about Karn the Great Creator, Narset, uh, Three Mana Teferi, Oko, Veil Summer, stuff like that, once upon a time. So I don't think the term of uh, engagement holds anymore. I think that um, now what you need to do if you want to win is to accommodate, find the best, most optimized shelf of these broken cards. And let me give you a case example. Eldrazi Tron has been much, much maligned over the history of... Um, modern but two things uh have changed that makes it probably the best deck in the modern right now uh recall that i won face to face with it one the addition of blast zone which combined with expedition map makes it so that you have like an actual answer to a lot of problematic uh permanence 
including humans, which has traditionally been one of its worst matchups. Number two is Karn the Great Creator. And this is one of the cards I mentioned where, you know, um, the power creep has gone up so much that you really want to be building around these cards and maximizing these cards. And Karn the Great Creator, I, bl I believe Eldrazi Tron is one of the best shells, if not the best shell for, for Karn the Great Creator. And, you know, it, it's, I think it won like five modern challenges online in a row. I've won uh, the PTQ with it. A uh, bunch of like great uh, moto grinders like Xwell, Yamakiller, and Matus F, who is the leader for tro uh, trophy leader for modern by far, are on Eldrazi Tron. And there's no fanfare. It's not a sexy deck. It's not like Urza mid range, you know, where you're like, oh man, it's so cool to, you know, play Urza, this busted mythic, and interact with people and like power people down and, kind of, and whatnot. And I think there's a stigma that follows Eldrazi Tron as a, oh, your nut draw is like a turn three, two mana restrictors. Well, guess what? Now the nut draw is turn three, card degree creator, liquid metal coating on your lockdown. So I think Modern clearly has a tier zero, I think. I think it's Urza and Eldrazi Tron. And I think there's a clear tier one. It's, it's like a mix of Infect, uh, hmm. Infect, Devoted Druid, stuff like that. And those decks really have one thing in common. They have Broken, War of the Spark, Modern Horizons, or uh, uh, Throne of Eldraine cards, like Oko, Thief of Crowns, or Once Upon a Time. So my advice to Modern for Modern is uh, just identify the broken cards and build around it. Sweet. Uh, did you want me to... Talk, was there anything else like pioneer or i'm not sure no no, no. So. pioneer definitely pioneer uh i think you were uh messaging our private facebook chat with some some early developments yeah so i think oko and nexus being banned like this was one of the few bands where i thought like everyone universally agreed uh, up, up on these like oko contorts deck building and gameplay so much i think oko might get banned in modern i think it's okay but it's like very very close and the fact that it never dies is like kind of insane to me. Like all, all his all his uh, abilities are pluses, and they all affect the board and contort games to be about Oko, which is insane. But anyways, good riddance. Oko's gone. Nexus is gone. Um, I think we're back to square one, which is exciting because like the very first uh, Pioneer PP is coming uh, in a, in a month, and I love to see what the Pioneers are uh, working on. My thought is that um, I think there are pretty clear uh, starting points. One is being blue-white control. Blue-white, uh, especially the card Supreme Verdict, is very, very uh, well-positioned right now. And it's probably going to be a defining card in the format, period. And I think because of the bannings, people are going to slow down and people are going to be more mid-rangey and controlly. So I think blue-white is very well-positioned. Mono-black aggro without the uh, uh, smuggler's copter, I think it still has a lot of uh, same power, very efficient threats, flyers, uh, recursion, uh, thought season, like fatal push. I think it's a great recipe. So I'm definitely going to be testing that for Phoenix. Uh, for combo, I think like Lotus Field combo uh, is going to be uh, one of the highly discussed and sought after deck uh, in terms of you know trying to solve whether it's worthwhile or not. And uh, Lotus Field is definitely something up my alley. Alley, you know, just cheating on mana, making multiple Lotus Fields, and then going through your deck and going into the infinite omniscience, et cetera, et cetera. I have my eyes on that. And my last pillar, I would say, is uh, Mono Green Ramp, which I've actually written about in for, uh, for the uh, First Strike Nations. So that's, that's my first uh, starting point, actually. 
my thesis is that uh, the format is going to slow down considerable, considerably and mid-range and control are going to reign supreme again uh, without Oko and Nexus because like mid-range can uh, exist with field and uh, Nexus, for example. And I just want to be um, just going over the top of people and invalidating people's um, uh, mass removal as well as spot removal. And for me, um, what I call Tron, which is the uh, ramp deck with uh, Arboreal Grazer and Mrs. Pilgrimage and our, our promise ramping up to Eldrazi's like Ulamog, Worldbreaker, and uh, Emrakul. I think that comes at an axis that people may not be too prepared for, and it's hard to hate out like past like being super fast. I think that's my starting point. Um, I know, I think my friend Mark is going to play it in the PTQ in Portland, and yeah, I've had some success with it before, and I think it's going to be pretty good here. So I think that's going to be your starting point, and uh, but things can change. The hive mind moves very fast on Twitter. So I wouldn't be surprised if uh, everything I say here, uh, looking back, is going to sound stupid. But here we are. This is where I'm starting. I have questions because I'm stupid and don't know the formats well anymore. Uh, for the Lotus, uh, is it Lotus Field? So the card's called? Yes, Lotus Field. The, uh, like, one, it relied on Once Upon a Time, though, right? Didn't it? Like, with that leaving, do you think, like, what are you replacing it with? So it, it did it did uh, lose Once Upon a Time, but I don't think it's as like it still have, have like pretty good redundancy tools, and uh, I've been I've been keeping track of the Pioneer preliminary um, deck list dumps, and by the way, those daily dumps are great. Like you're gonna have it's unfiltered, unlike the five O list. Like you see what you get, right? So like every people that do well get published. So there's a lot of uh, lists that are three two and above four one five O in these in these events. And uh, they just replaced it with more consistency, like Shimmer Possibilities, Ghost Spiral, et cetera. And they're really prioritizing just hitting their land drops and accelerating fast, even without the Lotus Field. Um, and there's going to be, there are two interesting um, builds, one being the double cast expansion explosion and route uh, storm conduit combo. And the other one being the traditional failed wishes omniscience uh, into the infinite combo. Uh, I think they both have like their own uh, pluses and minuses, but, um, it hasn't changed that much, and I think it has, definitely has like the same power. And lands are definitely hard to interact with, especially when hexproof. So, I think it's going to be a mainstay, even if it's not good as some as something that people want to try. So it looks fun. Yeah, I, I played that deck uh, a week or two ago, and it was it it, it was pretty sweet. It, it's got some it's got some pretty sweet draws. Absolutely, it's definitely it should be on everyone's wall. Yeah. Okay. Now, question about modern: Is Karn <laughs> going to get banned? Because I just. Look through your deck list. Well, I'm completely unfamiliar with the format. I understand what's going on here. I, <laughs> like this deck looks insane, actually, with like with Metal Coding and Microsynth Lattice. Like, is like, do you think Karn is like definitely on, on the watch list? I don't. It seems too easy. <laughs> I don't believe so, unless it becomes apparently oppressive and people start complaining about it. Um, there's uh, there's a lot of counterplay to Karn, the Great Creator. I believe you need to leverage mana. And you need to protect it, right? So it's not; those aren't easy things to do. And like uh, a, a deck like Tron, which does play Karn the Great Creator, can be exploited through uh, being too fast. Or a deck like Eldrazi Tron, which I, I believe is the best Karn shell because it can play the mid-range uh, game. So it can play a fair game with turn three TKS into turn four Karn, for example, and still not be embarrassing because you've like kept them off off balance for a bit. Uh, it can still be gotten by being going over the top. I think the card is very powerful, and unfortunately, it does 
invalidate a lot of things like you know KCI if it was uh, legal or affinity or uh, hardened scales. But I don't think it's uh, oppressive or too powerful format. Um, I'm actually probably going to buy my own set of Car in the Great Creator uh, as well as the, the the deck itself in paper with my uh, store credit, just because I think it's going to be a long mainstay that that'll never drop below uh, tier one and tier two. So uh, I'm not sure if that answered your questions, but like that, I have faith that it'll be a good tool. All right. So you're telling me to play play Karn in Modern so, sounds good. I'll take your word that it won't get banned then. <laughs> or your money back, right? <laughs> you heard it. You heard it here. Everything <laughs> that we've said today is contractually binding. <laughs> All right. It was. It was freaking. Okay, I'll just drop the f bomb. It is fucking amazing to have you back. <laughs> what uh, we could swear you didn't tell me. <laughs> I can. No, this, I can. This is only bullshit. I can. <laughs> and these guys have to pretend to accidentally swear. Um, <laughs> Rollo, uh, anything, anything else you want to say? Um, I mean, I hope to get you back at least. Let's let's hit for just like the amount of PTs you want to play. That's the minimum amount of appearance we want to have yearly. So uh, anything else you want to shout out? I mean, um, I, I guess uh, as I get closer to playing this tournament, maybe I'll be a little bit more active uh, in Magic. So you'll you'll hear some noise from me on on Twitter and possibly in the Facebook group as I'm trying to figure out what what deck to play to not be a complete embarrassment. And, throw my 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 hard-earned mythic ranking or whatever um i don't know like are there any gps like uh local to montreal or toronto coming up soon i haven't really been following what's going on but if there's one in toronto i'll, I'll probably i'll probably attend that just because i believe toronto is may and i believe there's a montreal one but that's more in the fall okay so yeah you'll, you'll new, probably see me in may then new jersey at the end of january as well there's new jersey on, uh, january 24th <laughs> um actually I'm, i'll probably be going because it's uh thorough limited so if anyone if any listeners like Going to be going there. Um, come say hi. Uh, now I'm kind of tempted. I did like Theros. <laughs> bring back some nostalgia. <laughs> I'm laughing just because I just realized your Twitter actually says ex co-host of First Strike Podcast. <laughs> That's my big accomplishment now. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first line. Um, I mean, I mean, it's not going to get you a birth to the. Uh, to the to straight to the PT because now we've broken up the F2F tour to be like opens and then tour finals, etc. But there is a pioneer uh event in Hamilton, February eighth. So that's actually interesting. Oh, that's my that's my birthday. I don't know that I'll be attending Magic <laughs> on my birthday. What a coincidence. Um <laughs> so again, really happy to have you on the show. Elliot, anything you want to say? I'm just looking forward to the 2020 Rolo Christmas special of the, of the First Strike podcast. <laughs> this is an annual, annual event now, right? <laughs> we got some good uh, good rants in, I think. I think uh, people will be happy. And uh, I, think, I think, yeah, I think this might be, we might do something extra. We might do some extra content during the holidays with between me, Elliot, John, and, and Andy, maybe. I mean, we, we've discussed it, like, just really briefly about recording some some extra content like videos or whatever so we'll see if if that's in the cards um and i mean if you want to record some stuff rollo obviously that's that's uh obvious always an open option and uh and with that uh thanks everyone for tuning in hope you guys enjoyed the show and we will see you via different types of content or uh in 2020 so uh thank you all for supporting us in 2019.